Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles and from the Big Apple in New York City, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg at thecaregiverspace.org. Also, coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms, like iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, too, way too many to mention. So I'm just going to trust, you have, you have to trust me. They're out there. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and the number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60 and number two caregiver podcast on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? Yes, we do. There she is. Are you getting the right type of rest as a caregiver? Now, uh, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but uh, I thought that there was just one kind of rest. But Sandra, our guest, uh, <laughs> says, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, that's a lot of names. Um, <laughs> what should we call you? Dr. Sandra is fine. Dr. Sandra. <laughs> and so she says that there are seven, count them, seven types of rest. So we're going to talk about that. She's a board-certified internal medicine physician, speaker, award-winning author. She's an international West best, wow. She's an international well-being thought leader featured in numerous media outlets, including Prevention, MSNBC, Women's Day, Fox, Fast Company, Psychology Today, Inc., CNN Health, and TED.com. She's the author of numerous books. Including her bestseller, Sacred Rest. That sounds nice. Recover your life, renew your energy, restore your sanity. <laughs> that has a poetic ring to it. Including insight on the seven types of rest needed to optimize your productivity. Sandra, Dr. Sandra, uh, welcome to the show. But before we go any further, I want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, Dr. Kerry, Dr. Kerry Forrestal. Uh, was first introduced to the field of medicine in 79. And it was a great show. We talk about all sorts of things about the medical industry. So just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com or any of our other 26 global networks that I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Dr. Sandra, welcome. Thanks for having me. And I always like to ask my guests, just who is Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith and why was she placed on this earth? Well, I'm a wife, mom, internal medicine physician for the past 20 years in clinical practice. And um, about 10 years ago, I, I burned out and that took me on a journey of researching how to recover from burnout when you don't want to quit your job, when you actually want to stay in the field. And I feel like that was probably why I was placed on this earth. My research from that time is what resulted in the book, Sacred Rest. And, you know, to date, over a quarter million people have actually taken my free assessment at restquiz.com to determine why they are so exhausted, what type of rest they're actually needing most. 
Well, imagine that. You're not a caregiver and you still burned out. So I, I think people other than caregivers think, burn out too. Mom. Pardon? She's, she's mom. a mom. She's a caregiver. <laughs> yes, all moms are caregivers, aren't they? So, I did. I yes. think all moms are caregivers. <laughs> yes, some more than others. Uh, some of the children require more care than others. So you talk about seven types of rest in your book that every person needs, not just caregivers, but every person needs. Uh, first of all, I'd like to know why you burned out. What And was it avoidable? Was there something you learned that you weren't doing that you should have done? Yeah, so I don't think it was avoidable at the time because my mindset was kind of wrapped around the way traditional medicine is done. Um, physicians, I think, start burning out right as they graduate. Residency is 30 hours, you know, 30 hours a day is what it feels like. Every day you're always working. Um, so it's very similar to being a caregiver. You're always on. You know, there's a period in the, the training where you are consistently being called upon. And so I think um, for myself, when that trans, the time that I actually burned out was when my medical practice, which was very demanding, then met the demands of actually parenting, caregiving, caregiving to toddlers, because that was the time that it, it really just seemed to everything hit at the same time. So what for myself, what stood out the most was how little information there was out there on how to feel restored and energized that didn't include either just, you know, walking away from your responsibilities um, or, you know, getting drunk or <laughs> using some other type of substance. That, that's to try called to self-medicating, <laughs> I think. Some other type of substance to try to try to kind of escape from what you were experiencing, but very little um, out there on how to stay restored in the middle of the stress and the strain and the challenges. Uh, do you still advocate for Western medicine or, or not? Oh, absolutely. I still, uh, there's definitely, uh, there will always be a place for traditional medicine. Um, as an internist, I am in the ER and the ICU and um, I, I see life sometimes when all, when everything hits the fan. And so there will always be a place for traditional medicine. However, tra traditional Western medicine should not always be the first choice in some situations. I think that's where we get real confused when we're throwing a pill at things that just need a lifestyle change or need a reality check. So you're no stranger to Eastern medicine. That's correct. Great. So let's talk about the seven types of rest. The first type, um, obviously, uh, you say is physical rest. And explain that, uh, how many types of physical rest there are and how they differ from the others. And we'll just go one by one through all of these things. Yeah. So physical rest, that's the one most of us are most familiar with because we think about sleeping and that's primarily a form of physical rest, but even in physical rest is divided up into two different types. You have the passive forms, which are sleeping and napping. And then we have the active component of, of physical rest, which include all of those things that actually help your body feel better. So those are the things that help with your circulation, your lymphatic drainage, your like muscle massage. Absolutely. Massages, leisure walks, uh, foam rollers, um, even down to the body ergonomics of what, where you do your work, the chair that you sit in during the day, your workstation, how tall your computer um, screens are. There's so many different pieces to the physical rest component that we don't necessarily pay attention to, 
but that are quick fixes that we can do that help our bodies feel better throughout the day without having to overthink the process or take a long sabbatical. Hmm. So uh, I don't know if you know the statistic, but the average caregiver, average caregiver, that marbles in my mouth, uh, get about two to three hours sleep on average. (laughs) Um, That's not good, right? Well, for most people, that's not going to be enough sleep for their bodies to feel well rested. You know, I work with the military as well, which is not necessarily a caregiver, but honestly, they use very similar tactics. You know, when I'm working with the military, when we talk about rest, we're talking about um, uh, tactical rest is the term they like to use. How can we keep our men on the field restored, which is really at the very core of rest, that process of staying restored, energized, ready to go? How do we keep them at that place when they can't necessarily go to a bed um, you know, for eight hours of sleep because they're out in the trenches. So I think that's kind of the mindset almost that we have to take in some of these situations with caregivers. There's a form of tactical rest that they need to start applying to their lives. So even if they can't get six hours of straight sleep, because maybe they're having to hop up in the middle of the night to, you know, change a colostomy bag or whatever it may be, that they are still staying at a place where they are, where their energy is high where they are not feeling, um, they're not accident prone because they are not allowing their bodies to get to that place of depletion. This is a great topic because a lot of caregivers are not getting enough physical rest. And I'm wondering, uh, maybe we can learn something from the military. How do they do it? Um, Are there some tips that maybe uh, they're doing that works, scientifically proven, that a caregiver can also try and, and make it work. You know, maybe a caregiver has to get up every two or three hours to turn their loved one over for bed sores or whatever. Yeah. So it's very, so it's looked at through this lens of those seven different types of rest. So let's say for instance, if some, because part of the, part of that process is identifying where the depletion is happening at. So let's say for instance, if that particular person is expending the most energy specifically in let's say sensory energy, they're kind of being overwhelmed in their senses, then the specific type of rest that they would use tactically to counteract the fatigue would be more sensory rest. Or if the person is having to do a lot of problem solving, then the way that they would reverse that would be creative rest, doing restorative activities that pour back into the place where they're actually depleting the most energy. I think that is the very first step. And that's That's what we tend to work with with them. Yeah. Adrian, what do you think the main um, type of rest that caregivers need? Is it sensory? Uh, the things that she just mentioned there. What What do you think uh, is the problem with and, and the solution to uh, maybe sh- they can use the same tactics that the military uses? Well, that that would always work. But I think creative rest is because I I really felt that I was constantly solving problems. It was just dodging things, one thing after the other. Meditation for creative rest for me uh, would work. It would because you you had to focus on emptying your mind. So it's hard to empty your mind when you're a caregiver because things are constantly going round and round. 
because uh, you're thinking about what's coming up next and what to do at six o'clock and what to do at nine o'clock. And, you know, there's there's an inner clock. Yeah. But uh, I found I found creative rest was was the most important for me. Yeah. So many uh, similarities between a caregiver and a, and a, a soldier. So what would uh, what would the military do to try to empty their mind and be uh, replenished in their creativity, uh, Sandra? Yeah, That's so you're Sandra. actually mentioning two different types of rest. The, the clearing of the mind, we consider that mental rest. Mm-hmm. And then the, the kind of dr- the need for inspiration and motivation, all of that kind of falls under the creative. So I'll discuss them separately. But the mental rest deficit that you described is what many people experience. They lay down to go to sleep at night and their mind's racing. They're thinking all the thoughts. They, they can't get their mind to kind of quiet down enough to even get into some of the deeper levels of sleep so that they can feel well rested or right. feel that they've slept really well. Um, what a very simple tactic uh, to begin with that um, is one of the types is something we call mind, uh, mind dumping or brain dumping. So if you find that you are trying to recall certain things and you, your mind is re- returning or regurgitating those thoughts over and over again in an attempt for you not to forget them, then sometimes uh-huh. just actually having that already pre-programmed, whether that's having a calendar where you're already right. kind of having some of those things systematically programmed in so right. that your brain doesn't feel like it has to take the responsibility for holding on to that information. Or if it's something that's not daily, then just uh, something that just tomorrow, don't forget to do X, Y, Z or pick up whatever. Um, Having a piece of paper, notepad, journal, some place where you can jot down that thought, because when you put that thought on something concrete, like a piece of paper or you dictate it into your phone, it gives the brain permission to now let it go. Because now the brain doesn't feel like it is its job to hold on to that bit of information. So those are just two very, very kind of quick tactics that can be used to try to get rid of that information to clear the mind some. Um, another, I think setting reminders on your phone is, is a great way of being able to let, to let go of that because something else is going to remind you. <laughs> Exactly. It takes the responsibility off your brain. And you mentioned meditation. Um, I me- Meditation is a form of mental rest. If you allow yourself to focus your thoughts um, in on something. So sometimes um, with meditating, it's helpful to have either a word a phrase or some way of redirecting your thought processes. So if your thoughts are running t- towards anxiety or fear or worry or, or something, you know, that's kind of keeping your mind negatively active to yeah. have a, a positive switch that you're that you're going to redirect your thoughts to, uh, whether that be, you know, peace or joy or happiness, whatever it is, having a word that you kind of redirect your thoughts to as part of a meditative process. Yeah. And you talk about, you know, like taking short two hour breaks and stuff like that. I'm currently uh, finishing up my book that I'm writing, uh, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times. And, um, you know, I can only sit down and write for a couple of hours at a time. And then I've, I've got to get up because, you know, my body is a little aching and fatigued and my brain is getting a little foggy. But I found that just by going outside and walking out in the sunshine or laying on my hammock or something, uh, it really does rejuvenate me and I, I can come back and do it. Now, 
you know, the, the editing is mostly done. Now I'm just reading it over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, that, that also has its own challenges because I've got to get up and, and get a fresh break and not be robotic. You know, we're looking for typos and stuff like that. So uh, you do recommend those little short breaks and they really will rejuvenate you. Yes. Absolutely. And what you just described is creative rest. Creative rest is the rest you experience when you allow yourself to appreciate beauty in whatever form, whether that's natural beauty like the ocean, the mountains, the trees, flowers, or man-made beauty like music, art, dance, theater. But we have to understand the need for that when we are using creative energy, whether that's problem-solving energy or innovative energy then we have to have a way of pouring back into that particular bucket that we're draining. Mm -hmm. And so when you're writing, you're using that creative energy that way. If you're a caregiver and you are, you know, solving problems within the home or within that situation, you're using creative energy that way. What I find is that most people who are problem solvers within their home don't really see that as a creative process. They think creativity is only for artists and writers and those types of people. And so, but a lot of people expend quite a bit of energy trying to maintain their home when there are changes and challenges, particularly health changes and challenges. Um, and they don't realize how much creative energy it takes when you have to maneuver all of that. And since we're talking about energy and creativity and rest and all that stuff, what's your opinion of coffee? I love coffee, uh, but I, coffee should not become a drug. So I, if you <laughs> like coffee just for the sake of coffee, I mean, it tastes great. I love mine with hazelnut. So I think there's no issue alone with coffee itself. Um, you know, granted, I have to say this as an aside, as long as you don't have any underlying heart or cardiac problems, I, then coffee <laughs> by itself should not be a major issue. Is that I, why the doctors <laughs> ask you how much coffee do you drink? Well, the reason being is that most people aren't aware of how coffee affects their body. So a cup in the morning is usually not going to affect most people. However, what we're finding is that a lot of people are using coffee as their drug of choice. Mm. So they wake up exhausted in the morning. And so the coffee isn't just because they like the flavor of coffee. The coffee is how they rev their body back up. Sure. And so they're drinking it as their drug of choice to start their day. And that, that's when the problem comes in. Well, a lot well, of people. Like, it, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. It's sort of been marketed that way. <laughs> the best part of waking up. you know. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I'm kind of weird because I never got in the habit of drinking coffee. I sell coffee. I have a coffee shop at my gas station, espresso shop. And people come in in the morning um, ordering you know, four shots uh, of a latte and, and uh, you know, they just woke up. So either they didn't sleep well, but some people, you know, when they wake up, they just look so tired. Is it even if you can get too much sleep, can't you? And feel like you're, you're still tired 12 hours. Yeah. Well, the problem for a lot of people is they are, their deficit wasn't purely sleep. So they went to bed, they may have got seven, eight hours of sleep and woke up the next morning so exhausted. But the exhaustion isn't purely a physical exhaustion. Because when you're thinking about there's seven different ways somebody can feel depleted, maybe it's so if it's not physical, is it mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory or creative? Because any of those deficits are going to make you feel tired. And so you know, one of the things I'm always asking my patients when they come in and they say, Hey, doc, I'm tired. 
I'm like, that's a pointless conversation for me. When someone tells me they're tired, that's no different than someone walking into the ER and saying, hey, doc, I hurt. What am I supposed to do with that? I mean, where do I even look to know where the problem is? It's no different when someone says they're tired. So I'm always trying to help patients see what's tired. Where is the fatigue? Because you can't treat a problem you haven't identified yet. Yeah. Are we done? I claim all of them. <laughs> Are we done speaking about creative before we move on to the next one? Yeah. The, you know, one of the interesting thing about creative, I think, is that, you know, you mentioned going outside, but a lot of people, I think this, the research showed like over 56% of people experience creative rest around bodies of water. And so the beaches, the ocean, a lot of people even say, when I see those settings, I just feel better. They can't even articulate what it is they're feeling. They just feel better when they see those settings. And, you know, there was an interesting um, study that was done where they looked at the MRIs of brain of people who said that that water was their creative rest outlet. They looked at the MRIs after they looked at the actual ocean after they looked at pictures of the ocean, and then after they looked at colors that resemble the ocean, and the activity was very similar, which is great for those of us who don't live anywhere near bodies of water. We can use like the virtual backdrops of the beach, or we can use like screensavers and different things to actually bring those creative rest elements into where we're at, even if we're caring for family and and people at home. Do you recommend that um, some people who like the beach should just... Go to the go to the beach because have you noticed when you go to the beach, lay down in the sand, all of a sudden you feel so tired. <laughs> the sun's uh, you know uh, hitting on you, and and uh, some I sleep much better in the middle of the day laying in the beach than I do sometimes at night. What's that all about? Yeah, that's probably the that's probably one of your places then where you feel that restorative process occur. Mm. That's one of the places where you feel like you can truly get to a place of rest. Yeah, well, I, I listen to the waves at night while I'm sleeping. That That's very nice. So let's talk about the sensory rest, bright lights, computer screens, back noise. Yeah, and so sensory rest is hard for a lot of us to get on a regular basis because we live in a very sensory-rich environment, everything from our cell phones going off and notifications on our, all of our devices to <laughs> social media to, you know, honestly, now, even if you you know, work a 40 hour a week job, chances are a a large portion of it may be virtual. Um, So that even if you're normal as a physician, my normal job would not have me anywhere near a computer other than to type in charts. Now the appointment themselves are even (laughs) on the computers at time. How do we let that happen? (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'll save my opinion on virtual um, home visits, but it's, it's, it's just really interesting and in kind of how things have shifted with the amount of sensory input that we are engaging with. And so the, the problem with excessive sensory input is that most of us are not aware of how we respond when we're sensory overwhelmed. The natural response to sensory overload is one of irritation, agitation, sometimes even rage and anger. So if you find that, you know, you start off your day, you're okay, but toward the end of the day, you're, you're mean for, for no apparent reason, you're very irritable, and, and you can't seem to explain why, start thinking about what are the lights, the sounds, the, the sensory inputs in your environment. 
sometimes something as simple as just the number of times your notifications are going off on your phone <laughs> or on your watch. If every other you know, 20 seconds, you're hearing the little dinging and, and feeling the little buzz, mm-hmm. that over, even though you think you're ignoring it, your body can subconsciously still be having an effect to it and responding. You respond, yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right, what's next? Uh, what comes after uh, that one? Let's see here. There's emotional and social I tend to discuss together because okay. both of them deal with people. Um, and those are two that tend to be difficult sometimes if you're a caregiver because um, you're someone else's kind of emotional and social support. So um, sometimes I think it's easy to forget that you also need to have someone or, or some system in your life where you're ex- receiving that as well. So emotional rest is the rest we experience when we allow ourselves to just be very truthful about our feelings and, and what's going on in our lives. <clears throat> and then social rest is also deals with people, but it ha- requires you to take a look at how different people pull on you socially. So there are people who are negatively pulling from your social energy, not to say that they're negative people, it's just how they pull on your social energy. So that could be your kids, your spouse, your elderly parents, you know, whomever that's negatively pulling from your social energy. You then have to think about who are the people in your life who don't necessarily need anything from you, but you just enjoy being around them that you experience their life giving people in your life. They, 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 you know, you enjoyed their presence and identify those people because what we find is particularly if you are responsible for others in whatever capacity that is, those life giving people in your life, you don't find time for them because your people you're responsible for are pulling your attention more than the people who are trying to pour back into you. Well, let's talk about spiritual rest. Yeah, so spiritual rest is different for each person, really, but depending on their own spiritual beliefs. But at the very core of spiritual rest is that need that we all have to feel as if we belong, as if we're accepted, as we're loved. And so one of the ways some people experience that might be in a faith-based type community. Other people experience that in different groups and organizations where they feel as if they are, they're seen and that they're really accepted for who they are. Mm-hmm. Mm. So does a person have to be religious or spiritual to need or uh, seek spiritual rest? Well, everybody has that aspect of them. And so how they experience it then determines whether or not they're kind of reaching out to a faith-based type system or for, because some of the people who have read my book and experienced the greatest benefit are people who will outright tell me that they don't believe in God or they don't believe in one thing or the other. But they do see the value of spiritual rest because it's a part of each and every one of us. But we all have a spirit, you know. Yeah. Do those people deny that they have a spirit or of, uh, there's a spirit inside of them, even if it's their own, own spirit? It's always an interesting conversation because I have a very strong faith-based background. So it's always an interesting conversation when I have that with someone who, who, who doesn't believe at all. And so most of the time, what I, what the conversation, when they finally agree that, yes, I can see the benefit of spiritual rest is that initial acknowledgement of, yes, I can see that that's a part of myself that maybe I haven't been addressing because sometimes when we have these times of completion, these different types of rest deficits, the way that you identify the deficit and the way that you start filling it back up 
is to identify it. And so oftentimes if someone is completely saying, well, I don't even, you know, I don't even have any association to that whatsoever, it would be very easy for that part of themselves to be depleted because they're completely ignoring it. I can't believe how fast our time has gone today. Wow. Uh, yeah. I appreciate you coming on the show. Let's, uh, let's talk about how our listeners can reach you and maybe get a hold of your book. Yeah. So my main website is at ichoosemybestlife.com. And the book, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity, is available mm-hmm. at all major bookstores. Love that title. And again, a reminder, all our live shows become recorded podcasts, videocasts on our platforms that I mentioned earlier. Uh, and don't forget to check out my membership website, caregiverdave.com. It's a free membership support community, lots of tools, resources, free gifts, as well as my Facebook page with the same name. Adrian also has chat rooms and lots of support on her site, caregiverspace.org, and her Facebook page with the same name. And make sure you click the like button on whatever platform you're watching this or listening to. It helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google search engine algorithms. I am writing a book, as I mentioned, uh, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times. And we certainly are living in uncommon times, and wisdom is certainly an uncommon commodity. (laughs) Feel free to go to Amazon.com and type in Secrets from the Hammock and reserve your copy today for just $2.99 special price. And it will be released on Cinco de Mayo, May 5th. And it will be the paperback. <laughs> and my, the author will be uh, doing the audio version, yours truly. So look for our podcast on your favorite platform. Until next week, same channel. May God richly bless you. Bye-bye. Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too. Thrive to Stay Alive as a Caregiver. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. He now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his amazing caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Thrive and stay alive as a caregiver will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver on sale everywhere and at caregiverdave.com. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Keep breathing, take it in and let it out. Keep breathing, it's gonna be
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.